Would you pray with me? Father, we begin by praying your word back to you, continuing in Psalm 68. God, we are consumed with awe, trembling before you, as your glory streams from your holy place. The God of power shares his mighty strength with Israel and with all his people. God, we give you our highest praise. Father, we thank you that worship is battle, that when we fix our eyes on you, you move the darkness back, that in your presence it may not stay. We thank you that you share your strength with us when we are weak. We thank you that you give us rejoicing in the midst of all of our circumstances. We thank you that you gather here with us as we gather together and fix our eyes on you. And now as we open your word, would you open our hearts to hear it, to receive it, to receive the life that is in it. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in a series called You Be the Judge, um, and if you've been following along with us, you know that. Um, today we're reading out of Judges 4 about the prophet, priest, uh, prophet judge Deborah. I'll be reading verses 1 through 10 if you want to follow along with me. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now that Ehud was dead, so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hatzor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harosheth Hagoyim, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to them, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you ten thousand men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops, to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go, but if you don't go with me, I will not go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. There, Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went up with him. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so in this series of Judges, which is this book of the Bible found in the Old Testament and covers a period of time, uh, where the people of Israel, God's people, 12 tribes, are in land that was promised to them, but so are all kinds of other peoples. And they're trying to establish themselves in this land and be able to live the ways of God. Meanwhile, the peoples all around them are living the opposite. They're doing evil, they're doing violence, they're doing things that are not good. So uh, they do not have a king yet. So there's these 12 tribes that are unified all consider themselves God's people but they're also each a tribe and 
What we've talked about so far in this series is that throughout Judges, there's a pattern. The people are living according to uh, the ways of God. There's peace in the land, but then they start living according to the ways of the people around them. And they start doing evil in the eyes of the Lord, and so judgment comes. How it happens is that there's one of these people groups around them, one of these nation states will militarily take over, oppress them, treat them harshly. And in that, they will cry out to the Lord. And after they've cried out to the Lord, God raises up a judge, a leader, a deliverer, who then frees the people from this military uh, offense, and then there's peace in the land again. So... Two weeks ago, we talked about Othniel. There had been peace in the land, and then they started following the ways of of the people around them, following other gods. There was judgment that came. They were treated harshly. They were bitterly oppressed, and then they cried out to the Lord, and God raised up this judge, Othniel. The Spirit of the Lord came on them, the Bible says, came on him, and he defeated them militarily. And then there was peace in the land for 40 years, for a generation. Then last week we talked about after Othniel died, the people again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Instead of them showing the peoples all around them God's ways and and influencing them, the influence of the peoples around them hit them. And they did evil and they did violence and there was judgment. And the Moabites took them over and for years oppressed them bitterly and they cried out to the Lord and then Ehud was raised up. And Ehud delivered the people in a military um, victory And there was peace in the land for 80 years, for two generations. So that's where we're going to pick it up now this week. Is there has been the last we hear is Ehud had there was peace in the land. So chapter four, what Camille just read, let's look at the first few verses and watch this cycle playing out again. Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of, of his army, was based in the land of Double H. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. So there's the pattern. You see it again. So there was peace with Ehud, but then when we get to this new part, they again did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and now it's the Canaanites who have a king, but the main, the main thing that's oppressing the Israelites is this commander of their armies, Sisera. And so now the people cry to the Lord for help again. That's where we're at. So the rest of the story is, how does God respond to their crying this time? Now Deborah, verse 4, Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidus, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their dispute settled. Now this is something. They, a woman is leading Israel. This is a time when Israel is not agreeing on much, when they don't often agree on their leaders. And yet, they agree on a woman. Now, for us, that might not be that big of a deal right now. Back then, that didn't just happen. What kind of extraordinary woman would be seen, would be affirmed by this whole community of people that honestly treated women kind of like property back then? But she had so much of the Spirit of God on her She was so wise in being able to settle disputes that she was just seen. She was seen as the leader of Israel. It's remarkable. It's extraordinary. Rabbinic tradition, I did not know this actually. Camille informed me of this. Rabbinic tradition has it 
that Deborah wrote Psalm 68. That's why she was praying out of and reading and calling us to worship out of Psalm 68. But they wouldn't, you know, rabbinic tradition also says, we don't really give credit to the women, so they didn't. Anyways, what it seems to be clear is that she was a remarkable woman with the hand of God on her. She spoke, and she spoke the things of God. People had things to figure out that they couldn't figure out, and she helped them figure it out. And, and people from all over Israel, from different tribes, came to her. That's what it said. Now we look at a specific episode. Verse 6. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kedesh in Naphtali, and said to her, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Okay? He gets summoned. Deborah says to him, this is the word of the Lord. You can gather up people, get in this spot, and I'm going to deliver you your enemy, Sisera. This is Barak's response. Verse 8, Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Oh, man. Worst thing ever. Back then, I guess. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and the 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went out, up with him. So Barak is like, yes, I'll go, but only if you go. Why? Because I, I know that God is with you, Deborah. And so... I think what you're saying is from God, because you're saying it, and so since it's from God, I am willing. I, I will do this, even though no one else has done it before, I will do it. But the, the rub comes, Deborah says, okay, but then the honor goes to a woman. It'll just going to go to a woman. Now, I have always thought that what this passage was saying is, okay, but if I go with you, the honor's going to go to me. To, uh, she's the woman. And that Barak... The fact that Barak was, was gonna, needed her to go with him was like a sign of weakness, like a sign of not enough faith. was like, you did this bad thing, so now you don't get honor, and Deborah does. I no longer think that's the case. And I'm going to explain why in a moment, but let me fill you in on the rest of the story first. So I'm not going to read it, but here's what happens. Barak does it. He goes up, Deborah goes with him, he gathers the men, he's in the spot. That's what I just read. And sure enough, Sisera, the commander of the bad guy armies, they come and they, they show up in the spot where the Lord says they're going to. Now, there is a detail that was read earlier that is found again when Sisera shows up, and it's this. He had 900 chariots fitted with iron. Here's the thing that's important to know. They had military superiority. Their technology was better. It was much more advanced and that was why for 20 years, which seems like a long time to me, for 20 years, they're oppressed. For 20 years, things aren't changing. So it's because of these chariots, 900 chariots fitted with iron. And they show up with all 900 chariots fitted with iron with their superiority. And Deborah says, go, and Barak goes. And the people behind him go with him, and they just start wiping him out. They didn't think they could possibly wipe them out. They didn't think they could possibly match the advance coming at them for years. But this time, the time of the Lord, the word of the Lord came, and they went and followed and obeyed with courage, and it happens. 
Now we get to the fun part of the story. Verse 17. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Canaanite, because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hazer, and the family of Heber, the Canaanite. Jael went to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. So she opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he's told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone in there? Say, no. But Jael, Haber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. Just then, Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera, and Jael went to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her, and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. This is the reading of God's holy word. I mean, so what's going on here? Okay, evidently there is this tribe, and they have connections, historically speaking, we see this in other books of the Bible, they have connections with the Israelites, but they evidently also have connections with the Canaanites. And right now, the leader of this tribe has said, we are allied with the, Can- uh, with the Canaanites, which makes sense because they're more powerful. And so he, but he's not there. When Sisera comes in and says, okay, here's, here's the people. I've got an alliance with them. This is a safe place. And the wife goes out to meet him. She brings him in. He asks for water, and she gives him milk. I, I mean, at my house, I think that makes sense because milk helps someone to go nai-nai. So he goes nai-nai, and then she just drives this tent stake through. Now, why is this, what is this about? Was this a good thing? I'm going to come back to that. But here's the point I want to make now, because I want to, I want to get to, what about Deborah and Barak? And was Barak, did he do a bad thing? Was he, did, was he wimpy? Is that why it was? Okay, here's what I always thought in that little conversation. Deborah was saying, okay, but the honor's going to go to me. But I wasn't reading carefully enough, enough because what Deborah said is, uh, your enemy, Sisera, he's going to be delivered into the hands of a woman. And it wasn't Deborah. It was J.L. who took that tent and pow, she was the one. So was Barak faithless? Well, here's what was before him. He is going to get a bunch of people, convince them to follow him, to go do something that hasn't been done before, where they're outmatched, where it does not look good. And he's willing to do it. And he's got enough something that people are willing to follow him. He's willing to do it because he believes in the Lord, but he knows, he's like, I believe this much, or maybe even this much. But if someone else who, who has faith, who is connected with God, if you're, if you're in it with me, then I know I can go through with it. I mean, maybe that's weakness, or maybe that's wisdom. Maybe it's wisdom to say, I can't just, I need someone to pray for me. I need someone who believes with me. I need someone I could process. I can't do it all by myself. I can't, I know I believe in God, but I need help believing in God. Interesting, I've done a lot of studying on judges in the last few months. Who's the judge in this story? Some people say Deborah. Deborah's the judge. She's clearly the judge. 
It says in NIV leading, and then in a footnote it'll say traditionally she's judging the people. She's the judge. On the other hand, the judges have always led a military battle. She's the only one who didn't like actually lead the military and do it. In Hebrews, in the New Testament, it starts talking about the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, and it talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. Then it starts listing a few names, just a few names from judges, and one of them is Barak. Hebrews, the New Testament, honors the faith of Barak. Maybe Barak isn't like, oh, that Barak. God told him, but he still wouldn't do it. He needed Deborah. Maybe it was that Barak. He had courage and he had humility. He had faith and he had a sense of, I know my weaknesses. I want to do this together. And maybe, my opinion, maybe the judges are both of them. In partnership, Barak and Deborah, each playing their part, each having different gifts, each anointed with the Spirit of God, but they knew, we need to do this together. Let's do this together. And that's not weakness, that's strength. Now, I just went through chapter 4. Chapter 5 of Judges talks about these same events, but it does it in a different style. It does it in poetry. It's a song. It's the song they sang after, the song they came up with after they won the victory. So chapter 5, verse 1 says, On that day, Deborah and Barak, they're in partnership even in the songwriting business. Deborah and Barak, son of Abnoam, sang this song. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Hear this, you kings. Listen, you rulers. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. This is a typical kind of song. They are praising the Lord. Let the people who offer themselves praise the Lord. When this happens, let's praise the Lord. Typical song. The song becomes a little less typical. I'm going to go to another part of it. I wanted Matt to put a little tune to this, but we didn't really have time to work it up. So let me, just, let me just go. Here's verses 24 through 27 of this song. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Most blessed of tent-dwelling women. Sha-na-na-na, na-na-na-na. He asked for water and she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for nobles, she brought him curdled milk. Sha-na-na-na, na-na-na-na. Her hand reached for the tent peg, her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera, she crushed his head, she shattered and pierced his temple. Na 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 At her feet he sank, he fell, there he lay. At her feet he sank, he fell where he sank, there he fell, dead. I mean, I am just like, what is the tune to this song? It just feels very strange to be singing this. So there, I want to point out two things about this section and, and the, what's going on in this song. The first thing I want to point out is what follows this, which is kind of this haunting um, verse passage of Sisera's mom is at home, wondering why he's delayed in coming. Where's my son? Why isn't he here yet? Why don't I hear his chariot approaching? And how she comforts herself, according to the song, is there must be plenty of plunder. 
they must be taking extra, getting extra women for them. Here's what, here's what Sisera is about. Sisera violates, enslaves, captures women and encourages all his other men to do it. And God, at some point, says to a person who violates, abuses, captures, diminishes women, no more. And I'm going to use a woman, Deborah, to stop it. I'm going to use another woman, Jael, to say, no more. Now, there's another thing going on in this. This was an incredible event. If you, women and men, enslaved, oppressed for 20 years, not able to live in freedom for 20 years, and then events happen that break that open, that change it so that there's peace in the land again, then you want to capture that. But you don't have cameras. You don't have video cameras. You don't have regular cameras. You, don't, you aren't making scrapbooks. You aren't, you know, po posting it on your timeline. None of that. But that's the kind of things we do to try to, like, remember these moments, to capture these moments. What they do is they have poetry. What they do is they write a song to capture it. So even though some of this song is, yes, a praise the Lord, a worship song, some of it is like we're telling the story. We're capturing the moment. And then there's this third point the main kind of message in this, besides the fact that we can trust God and, we, and God is the victor and God will, will take care of us and God will defeat our enemies, besides that, there is this other message woven through the entire song. And I want to point that out. Verses 7 through 9 say, Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose, a mother in Israel. God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates, but not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. Here's the deal. They, they, didn't, they were oppressed for 20 years. It all started because they weren't following the Lord. And the Lord, though, said, if you'll follow me and obey me, I will deliver you from, from my enemies. But nobody would do it. Nobody would obey. Nobody would follow. Nobody would fight. Until Deborah arose as a mother in the land of leadership and called the people into first following God and then driving out the enemies. But there's 40,000 who wouldn't pick up a weapon to do it. So she was celebrating the princes, the leaders among the people who were willing to go and offer themselves and follow the Lord with courage. But some of them wouldn't. And that's a continued theme throughout. If we go down to verses 13 through 15, it says, The remnant of the nobles came down. The people of the Lord came down to me against the mighty. Some came from Ephraim, whose roots were in Amalek. Benjamin was with the people who followed you. From Mekard, captains came down. From Zebulun, those who bear a commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah. Yes, Issachar was with Barak, sent under his command into the valley. In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. So, this starts talking about different tribes. 
Zebulun, Ephraim, Benjamin. It's talking about these different tribes that were willing to come down. Issachar. And then it mentions the tribe Reuben and says there's much searching of heart with Reuben. Why was there much searching of heart? We go on. Why did you stay among the sheep pens to hear the whistling for the flocks in the districts of Reuben? There was much searching of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he linger by the ships? Asher remained on the coast and stayed in his coves. The people of Zebulun risked their very lives. So did Naphtali on the terraced fields. Here's the deal. We got tribes. We have different tribes. And they are in their tribes. And some of the tribes rallied to work together, just like Deborah and Barak worked together to follow the Lord. And some of the tribes did not. Why did they not? Maybe it was because the tribes and the leaders coming from that tribe had two liberal policies. Or the tribe over there, their leader tweeted things we didn't like. Or that tribe makes us wear masks, or that tribe won't wear masks, or that tribe thinks that the Holy Spirit needs to do all kinds of weird stuff, and that tribe doesn't even believe in the Holy Spirit, or I don't know. Maybe the tribes just were like, in our tribe, we agree, we look alike, we dress alike, we agree the same policy, so we're going to stay in our tribe. And when another tribe's in trouble, we're not coming. Now, it could be simply that they were just afraid, or it mentions the sheep. It mentions the ships. It mentions the things they're most comfortable with that are most important to them. And I just don't want to risk anything. I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. I don't want to give anything up. So I'm going to just stay here in my tribe. And in this song, Deborah and Barak honor the people who will come together from different tribes to follow the Lord's command. And will willingly offer themselves and even risk things to follow the Lord's command. Those are the people to be celebrated. Those are the people who set things free. Now, what kind of people will we be? Well, part of the answer to what kind of people we will be is what kind of person will you be? Will you be one who, like Barak, is full of courage is full of wisdom, is willing to follow the Lord. But doing it with humility, doing it with others, not needing to be right, not needing to look better, not needing to get the honor, we do it together with others. Or will we be the opposite of that? Now, we have a different command from the Lord. It's not to go drive out enemies militarily. That's just not the command. Our promise, the promise for us in the new covenant isn't land. That's not our promise. Our promise is salvation. Our promise is eternity. Our promise is spiritual life. Our promise is life over death. Our promise all comes from following Jesus who gives this command, a new command I give you, as I have loved you and how has Jesus loved us. He's loved us without getting anything in return. He's loved us whether we acknowledge him or not. He's loved us by laying down his rights, even laying down his life. And he says, as I have loved you, so you love people. And I don't think we can do that by ourselves. I don't think we can get through the rough, when rough times come, I become all self-focused or just my family focused instead of 
Jesus says he came and he died for every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. Love the world. And he wants us to do it. Will we be the judge? It's not just one judge among the people. The people, the princes, the leaders who would offer themselves. That's who God used to set people free. To change the trajectory of where a generation was going. And so it can be with you and I if we do it together by staying focused on Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have made a way for us to be connected with you, for us to have freedom, for us to fight off the forces of evil. You give us different kinds of weapon to tear down the spiritual strongholds among us. And you are the commander, the king, to which we all can come, to which we all can unify and so we, today, we set our hearts on you again. We ask you to clothe us with humility, fill us with love for the other. And we ask you to also give us great courage that we would be filled with faith to trust you, to offer ourselves in service of, our, of you, our great King. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.